We're starting a new series this morning about decision-making. You might recall that we've been studying the book of Proverbs now for a little over a year, and uh, you might also remember that uh, we've already done a whole series on Proverbs 1, 1 through 7, and you might have been thinking when Paul Mathers read it out for us this morning, are we starting over? what, What happened here? We are going to do a little bit of review because we're gonna take this book about the wisdom of God and this topic of the wisdom of God in a new direction this morning. We're gonna spend six weeks talking about the wisdom of God for our decision-making. If uh, you're like most people, decision-making is the most fearful, stressful thing that you can do. It feels like you're trying to look into the future and the future is uncertain and it feels like there's nothing in that future but risk. Nothing in that future but unknowns and uncertainties. And so we're going to look at that this morning. It, it feels like when we're making decisions, oftentimes that we're squinting into the fog, looking at things that we can't know, can't decide, trying to figure out what is coming up, what is coming down the road, Where are we really headed? What can we count on? Uh, What do we need to account for? All of these things make decision-making a very fearsome kind of thing. And uh, what we're going to do for the next six weeks is talk about uncertainty. And we're going to start with this word, risk. Because what we want in our decision-making is to get rid of risk. We want the risks to disappear. We want the uncertainties to become less cloudy and more clear. We want to make our decisions based on absolute right and wrong things. We want the will of God for our lives. We want to hear it. We want to see it. And we just want to go in the certainty that we have done the right thing and we have chosen the right direction. And the problem is, the decision-making just doesn't work that way in this fallen world. And I notice that many times people design their spirituality, their walk with God, they design it to get rid of risk so that they never have to face uncertainty, the prospect that things might go wrong, that they never have to face the responsibility to call it and to go one way or the other at the crossroads. So this is the part where I'm going to use rather strong language I believe many people have designed their walk with the Lord, creating an idol at the center of their Christian life. They have called that idol Jesus, and the job of that idol is to take away all their uncertainties, tell them what to do, make his will for their lives clear. So they never even have to make a decision. They just have to do what they're told by Jesus. And that may be the reason this 
idol that we have set up to get rid of our risks and uncertainties. This idol may be the reason why we don't like the book of Proverbs very much as American evangelicals, because the book of Proverbs basically takes that view of the future with all of the fog and the darkness and lack of clarity, with all the uncertainty, and Proverbs basically says, yep, that's the world we're living in. That's the world we're making decisions in. That's the world you've got to deal with as you walk with God. So, make your decision in that world. In that uncertainty, with all of those risks, embrace the responsibility and make the decision. We don't want that. We want God to tell us what to do so that we will not have to take that responsibility, so that we will not have to deal with the uncertainties. We can just go forward in what we call faith, but what is actually, in, in practice, the way it works out is a kind of superstition. We use the example of Gideon, don't we? Gideon with his fleece. Lord, if you want me to go this way, then make the ground dry in the morning and the fleece wet with dew. I'm probably getting the order wrong, but you know the story. <laughs> next day, the Lord does exactly that. The next day, Gideon says exactly the same thing. Still kind of uncertain about what you're telling me to do, so let's reverse it. Make the fleece dry in the morning and the ground wet. We want to live our Christian lives in that way, getting signs from the Lord, preferably neon signs with arrows that blink this way, this way, this way, because we want it repeated. We want all the uncertainty taken away. And we, uh, we call it putting out the fleece. Never mind that what Gideon was doing was expressing unbelief in what God had already point-blank told him to do. And very many times, we are like Gideon in more ways than one, and we are like him in all of the ways we shouldn't be, because we're trying to have the responsibility for making a decision lifted off our shoulders and placed on God. And the book of Proverbs comes at us and says, yeah, it's, it's uncertain, future's a mess, no one knows except God what's going to happen, and he's not telling us very much. So you've got to squint into that fog, and you have to navigate it. That's your responsibility. You've got to go through that fog and you've got to make your decisions in a godly and wise way. And we say, oh no, I'm not capable of doing that. I'm just going to live by faith, not by sight. I'm just going to let the Lord tell me to, what to do, and I will just obey Him. And Proverbs comes right back at us and says, nope. Nope, that's not what the Lord is training you to do. He is training you to be wise and to look at the world you're living in and to make your decisions 
with his wisdom. Proverbs is training us to take up this responsibility. Let me put this differently. If you are worshiping a God this morning who makes all of your decisions for you, you don't have to look at the uncertainties of the world and really evaluate what to do. If you're worshiping that God this morning, know this. You are not worshiping the God of Proverbs. It's another God. And if you're stuck in your spiritual life and you keep going to God and saying, Lord, just show me what to do. Just make my decisions for me. Just tell me which way should I go. Give me another sign, another arrow. Give it to me again. I just need your will for my life. The reason you're stuck is because God, in his word, is saying to you, this matter is your decision. And you are to take my wisdom, evaluate your world, evaluate who you are, what you are doing, and make your decision. So I'm either terrifying you right now, or I am giving you a slender ray of hope that the Christian life is not some hocus-pocus, superstitious magic game that you can never figure out how to play right. And that in fact, the whole purpose of the scriptures is to empower you and endow you with the wisdom of God to make your decision. No games, no hocus pocus, walking by the Spirit, by faith in what God has already told us to do. You're gonna be on one side or the other in this series. If you're following, and I'll just say this again, if you're following this idol who has removed from you the responsibility of making your decisions, then everything I've said up to this point is the most terrifying sermon you may ever have heard. But if you're following the real God, the God of the Bible, who is saying to you, I am with you in your decisions, and I am training you, and I am teaching you, I am also leading you as you make your decisions. If you're following that God, then you may be catching a glimmer that the Christian life and walking with, not, with God is not a mystical game, but a process of actually looking at your life and making decisions about it. I can put it even more briefly. I believe this topic of making decisions with God's wisdom has the potential to change your life set you on a road of stability and maturity in walking with God. And I hope that is the message that you hear this morning. We're going to look uh, in review at these seven verses that open the
the book of Proverbs. And we're going to see how these verses put us on the spot with the training that we received. Then we're going to pull some principles out of those verses, and I'm going to give you some directions. Um, let me tell you about a big decision point in my life. Uh, back when I uh, graduated from college uh, in undergraduate uh, got my bachelor's degree. This was all way back in 1993. I began to revisit the call of God on my life, a call that I had been ignoring. It was a call to be a pastor. And I didn't want to be a pastor. I wanted to get something done. And I figured being a pastor was not the way to do that based on what I had seen. So, I was uh, just kind of uh, not listening, like Gollum. And uh, after I graduated from college through a variety of means, the Lord got my attention and reasserted His call on my life. So I had that call. I had not been listening to it. I got a renewal of that call after I graduated from college. And then I decided, okay, I'm going to listen to this, but I still had to make a decision. There were no neon signs, no voices, no visions, no dreams, no prophecies, no nothing. Just a whole lot of godly people around me saying, you know, we think you're called to be a preacher, we see that in your life. Yeah, I'm not listening to that. But I want the Lord's will for my life. I want His leading, you know. I want to study His Word. And so His Word comes to me in all the parts of His Word about preaching and teaching the Word of God and studying it and knowing it and seeing people discipled in it. All of those are speaking to me. But I'm not listening to that. I want the Lord's leading in my life. I'm trying to decide. I want Him to, to tell me what to do. I still had to make a decision. And that decision was full, when I finally made it, it was full of uncertainty, doubt, risk from the very beginning. None of those risks have ever gone away. None of the uncertainty has ever gone away. Because the future is always a fog. It's always uncertain. And there are certain things that we always wonder about. But uh, because the Lord has been faithful to lead me in his wisdom step by step, I am now so much more comfortable with uncertainty and navigating the fog than I was all those years ago. Uh, receiving a call to be a pastor. So these are some of the things that I want to share with you. Let's talk about the training that Proverbs is giving. Three categories of training. Uh, chapter 1, verse 1, the Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. The people who really want to know with certainty are kings, rulers, presidents, bosses, they live by trying to figure out the future. And Solomon, to open this book of Proverbs, 
It says, let me tell you why this collection of Proverbs that I gave by the power of the Holy Spirit, let me tell you why this collection was put together. It was to train the people who read it. And so what does that training do? It involves a process of learning. Verse 2, to know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight, to receive instruction in wise dealing, in righteousness, justice, and equity, to give prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the youth. Let's review some of the things we saw a year ago when we started uh, on this uh, book of Proverbs and the subject of the wisdom of God. Solomon is saying, I want you to learn patterns of virtue. Your decision-making, says Solomon, is not a series of worksheets or quizzes where you have to get all the answers right. The, the decisions that you face are training grounds for the virtues of godly wisdom. So what are some of those virtues? Um, one uh, virtue is to understand words of insight. When someone gives you a scripture, when you see something of truth in the word of God, to actually be able to read it, understand it, unpack it, and apply it. That's a virtue. It's a, a pattern that needs to be built in your life. There's only one way to learn it, and that's by practice. Verse 3, to receive instruction in several things here. Let's go through them one at a time. Wise dealing. Solomon says, I want to give you training in how to go out into the marketplace and deal wisely with everything that you encounter there. So what do you encounter there? Ways to supply what you need, prices that you need to pay, partnerships that you need to form, long-term plans and investments that you need to make. I would like wise insight about all of that. Solomon says, I'm gonna train you in wise dealing. And what he means by wise dealing is bigger than dealing in such a way that I benefit from all of my decisions. Solomon says that's not the wise dealing that I'm talking about. That may be shrewd, it may be crafty, it may have a certain kind of skill to it, but Solomon says the wise dealing I'm talking about and what he describes in the book of Proverbs is where you deal to the benefit not just of yourself, but to the benefit of the other person you're dealing with, so that you create a win-win in every deal that you cut, every decision that you make. Solomon says, I'm going to train you, and the Proverbs will train you in how to do that. So what's involved in wise dealing? This is not a trick question. Decisions. You can't do wise dealings by being indecisive. In fact, most wisdom falls apart because of indecisiveness, the inability to take on the responsibility to make a decision in the midst of uncertainty. Solomon says, I'm going to train you to step up and to make a decision that will be wise for you and be a win for the other person you're dealing with. In other words, 
Proverbs is about decision-making. Verse 3 again. To receive instruction in wise dealing in righteousness. Righteousness out in the marketplace is knowing how to, what the, the good, the morally good and right thing to do is and what the morally evil and bad thing to do is. That's what righteousness is about. Solomon says, I'm going to train you to be able to handle those questions out in the marketplace so that when you confront a business dealing that is subtle, shrewd on the other end and it's calling you to involve yourself in moral wrongs, you'll be able to spot it because by the Spirit of God and by the Proverbs, I'm going to train you how to spot it. You're going to be trained in righteousness. Now, what does this involve? Decision-making. Solomon is saying, I'm going to train you how to decide what is good and what is sinful in the situations that you are in. I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, oh, we don't decide that. We shouldn't be deciding those kinds of things. We should just receive that information from God and then we should just obey Him in all the situations we're in. Fine, granted. But what about that? The information that I receive from God in His Word and by the leading of the Holy Spirit is a call for me to think critically and carefully about where I am, what I'm doing, what my goals are, what my tools are, and why I'm doing all of this stuff, why I'm engaged in all of these projects in the first place. The wisdom of God in His Word raises all kinds of questions about my plans. It doesn't give me very many answers. Let me say that again. The wisdom of God in His Word raises all kinds of questions about what I want, what I think, what I am driven by, and it doesn't give me any answers about what to do. It simply says, if you start asking the right questions, if you trust those questions, and if you follow those questions all the way to the end, you will discover what God wants you to do. But you have to take the responsibility to make the decisions. You can't slough those decisions off on other people, on your pastor, on your parents, on... Other, you can't slough it off on God either. You have to engage with where you are, what you're doing, and make your decision. So Solomon says you're going to be trained in that. Justice. More decision making. What is justice? Justice could well be setting right something that went wrong. How do you do that? How do you restore what has gone wrong in a situation. Boy, that calls for insight, doesn't it? That calls for a, a real understanding of how to get things right and restore things, restore relationships, restore property, restore trust when all of those things are broken and busted wide open. How do you do that? Well, Solomon says, I'm going to train you to make godly, wise decisions about justice. And you can't 
ignore this. If you don't do justice and pursue it in your life, no one is going to do it for you. God is gracious. He supplies our needs. He is good. He gives us insight. He gives us leading. But he has called us to wrestle with these issues and to make decisions about them. And so Solomon says, I'm going to train you to do that to make decisions about justice. Equity is the same kind of concept. Equity is fairness, getting out of a deal, what you put into it, Um, not being shorted so that your investment was bigger than the return you are owed on that investment. Uh, Equity is what our whole system of economics is founded on. You take equity out of our system of economics, you know what you've got? Our current economy. Because <laughs> there's no trust anymore that contracts are worth anything, that uh, promises are going to be kept. There's no trust that property is valued correctly. There's no trust that the people handling your money are going to treat you equitably. You have to do more work to establish all of these things. All of those things are now uncertain. And Solomon says, yep, they are. That's normal in this world. And you have to accept the responsibility to make equitable decisions in your life. So he goes on in this vein. What is he saying? He's saying, I, in the power of the Spirit of God, I'm going to build you up in the virtues you need to make these decisions. I'm going to give you strength in these ways. You're going to know what you're doing when you go into the marketplace. You come in to my training, Solomon says, really the Holy Spirit says, you come in simple, you go out prudent. So this is a learning process. It is also a discerning process. Look at verses 5 and 6. And he says all of this as if you can get graduated from it. You now have a degree from Solomon in wise dealing. Got it. Righteousness. Nailed that one. Graduated. Justice and equity. Got it. We're killing it on justice and equity here. Prudence. I passed that course. Flying colors there. And Solomon is saying, yeah, you're going to be trained in it. The training never stops. Verses 5 and 6. Let the wise hear. Oh, wait a minute, Solomon. I thought the, the simple, the naive, the foolish were listening to your training. Solomon says, no, the wise are listening. What does that tell you? Their decision making is off. They don't have the prudence they need. They don't have the foresight. They don't have the discernment they're looking for. They haven't got it, but they've got one thing. They recognize their deficiency. And so the wise are opening their ears, opening their hearts to the training that God has, and they're listening to it. And Solomon says, let the wise hear and increase in learning. So 
to the extent they have wisdom, may their wisdom grow. May their discernment increase. You know what discernment is? It's just the ability to spot differences between things. It's the ability to read stuff and know what you're reading. I had an interesting experience the other day. My discernment was sharpened because uh, we got a new car and it had a, a gas gauge on it like I had not seen before. And so we, we took off for Reading, Bridget and me, and we were up there and, and uh, did what we needed to do. We were going to head home. And I kept looking at this gas gauge because I was curious, how much gas do we have? And so I kept looking at the gauge, but I, I really couldn't make heads or tails of it because it was one of these digital things. And I couldn't tell what was the gas that we actually had and what was the, the gas that we were supposed to have. Because I'm, I'm analog about this stuff. I want an arrow and a dial. And it, it goes down toward empty. You get in the red zone. I can read that. I can discern that. But this thing, I could not discern. But I thought, eh, what could happen? <laughs> Live by faith. So it, we started to head home, and the car told me, you have 38 miles to go. And then I learned how to refine my discernment. I looked at that gas gauge and I said, oh, so that's what it means when you've only got three of those little lines there. I get this now. I am more discerning about this gas gauge than I was before. That's the kind of thing that Solomon is talking about. Can I read a gas gauge? Yeah, I ought to be able to, but I couldn't read that one. It was a new one on me. So uh, I did a quick calculation. Chico, Redding, 38 miles. Nope, we're heading off the freeway. We're getting gas. So nothing untoward happened there. That's discernment. Let the wise hear and increase in learning, and the one who understands obtain guidance. If you get it, you start to get more. So in this training, you get a little bit of wisdom, and that wisdom starts to grow. And then the wisdom that you gained from more training starts to grow even more and even more and even more. It's like compound interest. To understand a proverb and a saying, the words of the wise and their riddles. So Solomon is saying, you're in training how to make decisions. That's what this is about. That's what God's wisdom is about. And that training never stops because you have to keep refining your understanding of how to read the situation you're in. That never stops in life. So it's at that point that Solomon puts us on the spot. Verse 7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Decide. Decide now, which way are you going? Are you in this training or not? If you're in this training, it's only for one reason, and that is that you recognize that the compass of your life, the, the thing that sets everything else in proportion is the fear of the Lord. 
if you understand who God is, if you understand his holiness and his justice and his perfection and his power and grace and mercy, if you understand all of these things, your response to him is awe, fear, wonder, and you say, I'm not going to mess with God. I'm going to learn how to work with him. I'm going to stop trying to figure out how to fool him. I'm going to stop assuming that he will not observe my sin. I'm going to start assuming that he will observe it, that he sees all of it. I'm going to stop assuming that I can say nice things to him and he will be sort of bought off by my piety. I'm going to start assuming that he isn't bought off by nice words at all. He only recognizes one coin in his kingdom, and that is faith in the marketplace where it counts, where things are at stake. So I'm going to fear him. Solomon says, you're on the spot. Decide right now. Which way are you going? Into the training or out of it? And that's how Proverbs starts. No wonder we don't like Proverbs. We want to be just told what to do, point to point. Just tell me which way to go. Tell me to take a right here. Just be like GPS. Get off the freeway here at this exit. In a hundred yards, do this. We want God to be like that. We want the Bible to be like that. Instead of being given the map and being told, read it. Know what you're doing and make your decision. This is tough. This is not for the faint of heart. And it is not for idolaters. Idolatry fails when we try to push off on God what he has called us to do. So uh, let's draw some principles out of this to set us up for the coming six weeks. First principle has to do with where do you start with your decision making? How do you begin making decisions in a godly way? And the answer here in uh, Proverbs 1.7 is start with what is certain. Start with what you know. Now I just, before we even develop that, I just want to make this observation. When we're making decisions, do you start with what you know or do you start with what you don't know? Well, I don't know how much that's going to cost. I don't know how much. I don't know whether that, that uh, vehicle performs well over 10 years. I don't know whether I should go to this school. I don't know whether that career is going to be here or they're going to ship it out to some foreign country in 15 years. I don't know. So I need to figure out what I don't know. Solomon says, no. If you try to make decisions that way, you're going to fail every time. You're going to get wrapped up in a maze of uncertainty, and you're not going to be able to get out. Because for everything that you learn about what's in that fog of the future, everything that you learn is just going to make the fog thicker. So Solomon is saying here, here's the first decision you need to make. This is absolutely certain. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. 
It all starts there. You get that right, you get knowledge. The opposite is true. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. These things you can take to the bank. They are certain you know this. So don't turn your back on this. Make this decision. If you get this decision right about the things that you know, then you can start making other decisions. Question. Do you make decisions this way? Do you start with what you know to be true? Or do you start with what you don't know to be true? One time, um, Bridget and I were looking at buying a house, and so we went to uh, get a, a loan pre-approval. And this was uh, in the days just before uh, the, the great bubble in real estate started to inflate. And uh, so we went and, and got pre-approved for this loan for an amount of money that was absolutely preposterous. They were saying to us, you can afford this much house. You should be looking in this price range. And we looked at that and said, if we didn't ever eat, <laughs> we still couldn't afford that house. What are you smoking? That is still an open question today. What were they smoking? They thought they could give loans to people to afford houses that they plainly could not afford. What formula were they using to calculate this? What was that? Greed? I think that it had something to do with that. So you inflate all the values, which by the way is not equitable. You give loans where the interest rate is going to inflate as well. That's not equitable either if you don't understand the mechanism. And the payments are going to inflate. The fog just got a lot thicker. And that was people who ought to know telling us, you can afford this. We had to have the, the stamina to say, no, we cannot afford that. So we're not going to look in that price range. And we're, we're not going to get a loan for that amount of money, pre-approval or not, period. And the Lord blessed that decision. Why? Because we started with what we know. We know that we have this much. And if we take on payments that are this much, we know, and nothing anybody says can make us unknow what we know, we know that it will drive us into the ground. So Solomon is saying, start with what you know. Don't start with what you don't know. This alone will revolutionize the way you make decisions. You already know enough to start making decisions. What do you prioritize? You go from what is certain to what is uncertain. You go from what you know forward to what you don't know. And you let what you know dictate what the uncertainty means. 
So um, automatically, when we made the decision, we cannot afford what the broker says we can afford. We had to make a decision based on what the real payments were going to be. What can we afford? That set the, the price range we were looking in, and then we could start making the more uncertain decision. The, uh, the uncertain decision is, which house should we buy? That's very uncertain decision, right? So you work your way toward what you don't know, what is uncertain, by standing on what is certain. Let me challenge you on this. I see many Christians trying to make decisions without the fear of the Lord. And they're, they're trying to make life work by not knowing this very basic thing. That God will not be trifled with, he is good, he is generous, he is merciful, but you cannot fool him. You cannot deceive him. You cannot trick him. And we're living as if we can. And uh, then we make our decisions based on these very uncertain things when what we should start with is the most certain thing of all, the fear of the Lord, is the beginning of knowledge. Solomon has already said to us, call it right here, right now. What's your decision about the training? Are you going to embrace the fear of the Lord? If you get that right, then you can move into the uncertain things. But we want to work backwards. We want to work toward, you know, I really just want to pursue a relationship with this person. And I may not get it right, but... I know that God is going to bless me because he brought this person into my life even though everything God says is that this relationship is sinful. It's a transgression of his laws. We try to work this way. I know that I shouldn't use this financial maneuver in my business dealings. I know I shouldn't do that. But God's gracious and God is good so the rules don't apply to me. He's going to forgive me. All of these things we try to employ in our decision-making and we throw back onto God the responsibility for the decisions that we have made. And this is a, a form of, of lying to ourselves about what we're doing in our lives. So first principle is you prioritize what is certain. You, you start with what is certain, then you prioritize the uncertainties based on what you do know. You move slowly, step by step, into the fog. You don't race into it with big decisions. And then, finally, a third principle, when do you step up to start making decisions? I really need to know more. I need more training. When I learn more Bible, I'll start making godly decisions. When I... Yeah, response from the front rows, huh. When, when I know enough godly people, when I have enough discipling, when I get the certificate that says I passed all of my courses in prudence, then I'll start making decisions. 
Solomon is not going to let us get away with that. He plops one seven right in front of us and says, when do you step up and start making decisions? Now. Right now. Commit. Well, I don't know enough to commit. I don't know what God's going to do with my life. I don't know if he's going to tell me to do something that I don't really want to do. I don't know if maybe the things he wants me to do are going to cost me stuff. Maybe the things he wants me to do are going to cost me everything I value. So I'm not, I'm not ready to make that decision. And Solomon says, you just did. You just made your decision. You looked at the commitment to fear the Lord. You looked at that, the implications of that. You decided, I'm not going to do that right now. I'm going to get more information. So you're starting with what is uncertain, and you're making your decision based on that, not on the certainty of the fear of the Lord. When do you start making decisions? Not when you get good at it. Not when you think you know enough. Not when somebody tells you you know enough. You start making decisions right now. In fact, you already have. And the question is whether you will reopen some of the decisions you've made and turn around and make different ones. We talk about taking responsibility. I'm not really sure I know what that means because everybody in our society talks about taking responsibility and no one does. Solomon knows what it means. Go with what you know right now and decide. So three principles that will guide us over the next six weeks from the first uh, parts of Proverbs having to do with um, making decisions. Where do you start? What do you prioritize? And when do you start? Starts now. So let me give you some directions uh, for this week. I would like you to begin by identifying a decision that you face this week. What is this decision that is looming over you? It may not be looming. It may just be nagging. Uh, what is that decision? What do you feel about that decision? What is, what is uncertain to you about the decision that you face? What are the unknowns? Where's the fog? What are you afraid of in that decision? And as you look at all of that stuff, I want you to make a comparison with the decision that you've already made about Proverbs 1.7. If you have decided today, I need a change of heart toward God. I need to fear Him. I need to treat Him as if He's a real being and not a figment of my imagination. So I'm going to start doing that, but I need my heart to change about that issue or we're going nowhere in all of this training. Take that decision that you have made about the fear of the Lord and compare it with the decision, the practical decision that you face this week. List all of the unknowns and compare the unknowns, what you need, what you fear, what you're afraid might happen, 
what you're um, afraid will not happen as a result of all of the decisions that you face. Look at all of those things and say, now, the Lord, who is he? What has he done? Is he real or not? Make your decision based on who the Lord is and what he has called you to do in that situation. If you start just that little process, you have shifted from focusing on the things you don't know to standing on what you do know. And when you stand on what you do know, you can make a decision. You can make a small decision that will take you maybe one step into the fog. And then you'll see a little bit more. You can take another small decision based on what you know to be true. Take another step and another and another. And you will find, after traveling with the Lord step by step, making decisions based on what you know and not getting freaked out about what you don't know, you will find that you'll look back and you'll say, the Lord led me all the way. Every single step. I look back on the decision to follow the Lord into ministry. We knew nothing. We didn't know any of the things that happened over the last 20 years, 20 plus years that we have been in ministry. None of those things. We didn't know how bad it was going to be at times. We didn't know how good it was going to be at times. We knew none of it. All we knew was God has put this call on our lives. And so we're going to take the first steps to meet that call. And then we're going to take the steps after that and the steps after that. We're going to go one step at a time into the future that God has for us and we will see more the further we go. Can't make those decisions based on what you don't know. And actually, if someone had come to us and sat us down and said, Matt and Bridget, here's what the next 20 years of your life are going to be like if you go into ministry. And if they narrated for us everything that we would face, would that help us decide? I don't think it would. But looking back over the track record, the Lord has with us through all of these things, bright and dark, looking back over that track record, it was absolutely the right decision and that's why we're sticking with it. So I would just commend this to you. First, take the responsibility to make the decisions that God has put in front of you. The Christian life is not magic, it is deeply practical. Shift your decision making from what you don't know to what you do know. And make smaller decisions based on what you do know. We'll talk more about this over the next number of weeks. For now, let's pray. Lord Jesus, we call upon your name. We ask you to give us wisdom. And we recognize that 
there may be those here this morning who have decided they need the fear of the Lord to awaken in their life. And they've seen the first glimpse of what it is like to deal with you in all of your awesomeness and glory, all of your wisdom and power. And because of that, they're calling out to you right now for mercy. I pray that you would give them that mercy. That as they pray to you something like this, Lord Jesus, you died for my sins and I'm realizing that my sins were conscious decisions that I made. And I need those things to change. I pray that you will forgive me for the decisions that I've made and that you will give me a heart to love you and fear you. Cleanse me from my sinful decisions and give me a heart to follow you and to love you. Give me your Holy Spirit. Give me new life. All of these things, as they pray these things to you in the name of our Savior, Jesus Christ, we all together ask you to grant those prayers right here and right now. Bless those decisions. Empower them and show fruit from them even today. We pray it all in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. I am not seeing any, whoop, okay. I'm not seeing any questions just yet. Looks like we've got a couple. Um, if you need to slip out, uh, feel free to do that. Uh, thanks be for the Holy Spirit. He will guide us in the certain way of Yeshua for our lives. If we train ourselves to listen purposefully, we will receive his desire for our direction. And then we have to trust and obey. But this takes personal training to hear that still, small voice. It does. Um, it is a matter of listening to the Lord and walking with him. And there is an art to this and an intuition to this. We will talk about that. Um, so, uh, good observation there. What are some of your mem memorable fleece moments? Um, actually, I'm trying to think. Um, I don't want to overclaim this. I I cannot remember making any decisions based on fleece. Um, I just don't operate that way. Um, so what were the results? They were pretty good because I didn't do it. Um, <laughs> I, I would just say, it, uh, I, I would say categorically, Stop using that story. Stop using that phrase. It's a misapplication of what happened there. The man knew what to do, but he didn't believe God. And uh, it's very important that we, um, that we not look for direction from God that he has already given. Uh, we need to look for direction from him. We need to ask him to help us understand what he has given us to do. 
But uh, this thing of pretending that the Lord has not given us enough direction, is a, it, it's a crock, and we need to stop doing it. Uh, what are the implications about our decisions and the results based on Romans 8.28, uh, the, um, the verse that all things work together for good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose? The implications are wonderful. You can make the wrong decision. You are free to do that. And it's not going to go off the rails. Because God is merciful and he is good. And he's not training us to perfectly make every single decision. He's training us to make decisions. Built in there is a process of falling flat on our faces at times and getting back up and making a different decision. In Christ, we have the privilege of doing that because he has called us according to his purpose. He is making us like him. He's training us in that way. And so uh, Romans 8.28 is basically saying, make your decisions, trust God. If you make the wrong decisions, trust God. If you make decisions that were okay in some ways and completely batty in other ways, trust God. He will build up the okay part and he will defeat the batty part. Uh, he does all of these things for us and that is the truth about depending upon God. The falsehood is that he will make our decisions for us. He will not do that. He has called us to make those decisions. So we follow a God of grace. We do not follow a God of, if I can put it this way, codependence. So I um, hope uh, you will reflect on those things. We're going to talk about them over the next six weeks. Uh, uh, so I would encourage you to do that. As we go, let's go in the knowledge of the power of the Holy Spirit and the grace of God in our lives. Let's go with his blessing, his leading, and his wisdom.